36. I believe that God, who is one, sent his living word to the earth to take on the form of a man named Jesus of Nazareth, who freely and out of love for his father gave his life for the sins of the world. I believe that by and through those actions, the world, past, present, future, was reconciled to his father and God and his wrath has forever been appeased. I believe that all people everywhere and forevermore living past, present, and future have been forgiven by God through the victorious work of his son. And I believe at his resurrection, Jesus of Nazareth, the word of God made flesh, was deified and ultimately assumed his place at the right hand of his father in the Holy of Holies, beloved. I believe this same Jesus who ascended from earth into the clouds returned as promised and gathered his church bride at the promised destruction of Jerusalem when God poured his wrath out upon the unbelieving then and there. And I believe that from that point forward, Jesus having had the total victory over all things, allowed God, to put it that way, to create a new heaven and a new earth and a new economy with a new Jerusalem, not a dusty brick and mortar one, existing in the heavenly realm, leaving the former material world obsolete in every way. I believe that since that time that the world has been spiritually returned through that victory to the place of the first garden, Eden, where all humankind in that garden, there is only two, were given a place and the freedom to choose how to live. I believe that is the state of every human being because of the victory of Christ. We are all back in that garden, and God has said, choose how you want to live. I believe that this life is a gift to every single person, and that God grants all people both his spirit and time to decide what they will choose to follow, his will or their own will, his desires or their own, freely from the moment they're born to the moment they die, we choose. All extenuating circumstances removed. I don't believe God is punishing anyone for their free will choices on this earth. Let me repeat that. I don't believe, because of the victorious work of Christ, that God is punishing anybody for the free will choices of how they've chosen to live on earth. But I do believe he is merely, with merely being an understated word, rewarding everybody differently according to the choices they made. He's a rewarder now. He's not a punisher. Life here, I believe, reflects what most reflects what will continue to be after this. 
I think in the life hereafter, it's my opinion, but I base it off what I read in Revelation, that in the life hereafter, there will be a community. I believe there will be a community of believers and I believe there will be a community of non-believers. In the community of non-believers, like it is here on this earth today, will be fine. I believe that community will have what they want and, and, and do what they want relative to God's hand. And whether they, uh, the fact that they didn't believe they're not punished, they're just rewarded accordingly. They're given a good place, just like unbelievers are here. God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. I believe those souls have a good place. And it's like rolling hills of beauty and there's community and just like there is here. And I suspect he'll continue to bless those creations in that realm and support them. I believe that those who have nothing to do with him here nor care to pursue him will enjoy um, entering into the kingdom. And I agree with Jesus when he said, unless someone has been born of the Spirit, they cannot even see the kingdom of God. Meaning, the word there is not blepo, as in the physical act of seeing. It's another word, horeo, I think, that means to discern it. I think outside the heavenly kingdom, all those who are not believers won't even discern the kingdom in their presence. I don't think it will be an ambition they want to pursue. I believe they can't even see the kingdom of heaven. They see the realm that they've been interested in and loved and enjoyed while here. And I believe there'll be some semblance that will continue on there. I think most will be fine in that condition. For those who aren't fine, who are existing outside the New Jerusalem and are roaming about and they start to wonder, is this all there is? Did I miss something? What am I lacking? What could I have had? I believe long-suffering and patience and merciful God will call to them. I believe he's calling to all, but most won't hear. And those who have ears to hear, just like here, and hearts to feel and eyes to see, will at some point be able to discern the presence of a kingdom and will freely choose to pursue it, to, to draw closer to it, perhaps to even enter therein, that kingdom of light where God and his Christ dwell. I don't think that journey will be without pain. I think that that journey will be really tough on the hearts that were previously unconverted because they went through this life and they enjoyed its benefits. They died, they went to the next, and then there they said, you know, I think now that I can see and start to feel this, I think I want to be part of that. Somehow I think there will be suffering that. It's self-inflicted. Maybe it's an exposure to his light. But they would be a price because there's a price here. Jesus described in his life those who did not see or pursue him as being dead. 
He called them the, so to speak, the walking dead. And you remember that he said, uh, let the dead bury the dead. That means the people who have absolutely no spirit life within them. I don't think have the capacity to discern a kingdom. They don't want it. They're walking dead. And I believe that the condition of death continues on in the hearts of those outside his kingdom. They haven't experienced life, eternal life, which is the only real definition of life. They are still dead. In the resurrected bodies, yes. In society, in a nice place, yes. But dead, just like they're dead here. So for believers and seekers of truth, for true worshipers of the Father, such an eternal existence without him, no matter how peaceful, no matter how beneficial, no matter how many rolling hills and gardens and friends and family you get to see and associate with for an eternity, it does not compare to what Scripture says God has created for those who love him. Scripture says the heart of man cannot conceive what God has created for those who love him. And love is a choice. It's a daily choice. It's a verb. It's expressed through action. And it's motivated by our true faith. The more you believe in the promises of God, the better you will love. And I believe that these are the real living today here on earth and there and beyond. Outside the dead, perhaps eternally unable to even discern the kingdom of God because of lack of interest or desire, will exist in that society of the dead. Inside life with him in the kingdom where life and real eternal living exists, um, they'll enter in. Let me wrap this up with sobering news. It's, it's supported by the scripture. I'm not making it up. But entrance into the kingdom is not easy. I, I, having real faith is not an easy thing, is not an easy choice to make. We're surrounded with reasons not to have them. That's what makes it difficult. I'm not talking about physical suffering. I'm not talking about uh, making yourself worthy. No. I'm saying that to do what Christ said to do, to believe and to love, are very difficult. And I think we make a huge mistake in the faith today in two general ways. First, I think we wrongly understand the fate of unbelievers after this life. And we interpret their fate as painful and God exacting revenge upon them. I describe their state otherwise because scripture does. But on the other hand, and at the other extreme, I think we generally overestimate the ease with which the masses apparently will enter into the kingdom 
as Jesus said, there would plainly be few that find it. I therefore conclude relative to this final belief that life now is the proving ground. It's the proving ground. That's what life's about. God has created it. He loves everybody on it. Just like Adam and Eve, he gave them a garden. It's a beautiful place. He said, choose. Those who don't choose to seek him, he loves. He gives them a good place after this life. Those who make the difficult decision to acquiesce to faith and then to love, unconditional love, as described by scripture, they, in the proving ground of life, are rewarded in ways that we cannot comprehend. That's what the biblical narrative says, guys. So the churches that are saying, just believe in Jesus, 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 and faith, and, and don't worry about anything, and your sins are this and that, and you don't have to love, and there's time, or whatever it is you know that comes down the road, don't believe it. The realities are clear. Outside the kingdom is a good place. Christianity traditionally teaches it that it's bad hell fire. It's a good place because of the victory. But getting inside the kingdom is difficult. It's straight, meaning not straight, but difficult is what Jesus said. Straight, narrow is the way. Broad, that leads to destruction. Destruction of what? Real living. But so, and the solution is always going to be looking to God through his son by the spirit, turning to the scripture and learning what it says, dying to self, dying to this world, embracing humility, wrapping your arms around it relative to this life, walking in faith, and which is, means you turn it over to him, not works, and then to live in agape love where it's, selfless, sacrificial, and in most ways insufferable. Those who do those things by the Spirit, remember, not their flesh, enter in. And I just wanted to share that with you today. Love you guys.